are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage yourself, Mama Vadden. How are you? Um, I am ready for holiday break. Um, life is a little hard right now, but uh, sometimes life is hard. And I'm ready for this podcast topic because this will give me a good distraction and a great way for me to shift my energy so what are we talking about (laughs) um i kind of don't know exactly what to call this topic and i'm going to be racking my brain on what to to name this Mm -hmm. episode but i'm so i'm just going to talk about like what led me to want to do this topic so someone on instagram uh, posted a reel of I don't think it was their kid I think it was some somebody else's autistic kid from like a holiday performance like a school performance last year in 2022 I guess technically it's still last year because of when we're recording it by the time you hear this it will be 2024 anyway um and the kid's sitting like to the corner like off the stage in a chair just clearly like shutting down from all the the sensory stuff and then it says 2023, which is next year. And you see him participating with the kids and singing along and all of that stuff. And basically the message was, look how much progress he made. The kid was like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, maybe 10. And it's like, look, the progress he made one year can make a difference. He went from not being able to participate because of sensory issues. They didn't mention the sensory issues. They said he wasn't participating to being like all the other kids. So... Stacy saw this post and chose violence. Not and the result violent. and the result was that about 500 really pissed off autism moms came for her ass and were saying how she's taken away their joy and she's taken away their hope and how she knew nothing about autism, how she's an awful human being and all sorts of lovely stuff. So then I got in the comments section because like just for throwing dirt on Stacy's name, and that that just can't happen. So I had to get in, and I had to choose violence. So we decided to do a podcast episode on, for lack of a better word, like autism inspiration porn, because it's something that I do want to discuss. Because people want to have this belief, I shouldn't say a belief, maybe a hope, that their kids can be normal for lack of a better word. And I kind of see both sides of this, and that's what I want to discuss, because they want to believe that their kids, through the right therapies, through the right, through time, through the right medications, can be just like all the other kids. And we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it. So Stacey, what what are your thoughts, first off, before I go into my beliefs? Okay, so thought number one is, um, I do not post on social media to have a dialogue with strangers um so i feel like you know (laughs) i made a comment they can make a comment i'm not on social media commenting to try to convince people or to argue with people or to have debates right um i love a good dialogue and i don't think everyone has to disagree to agree with me but i do not comment on someone else's post in order to get into a combative back and forth right um I comment in order to bring light and attention to something that I feel that needs to be said. So I also feel that um, 
Uh, and there were some folks who understood my comment, but I also feel that I, everyone needs to be accountable for what actions they take, right? So I feel like my accountability for causing apparently a ruckus that people for the last four days have felt the need to keep commenting on one statement out of so many. Um, I made a comment from an intellectual higher thinking level, having a basis of understanding autism perspective, right? And the reason I felt the need to make the three comments was because I wake up every morning and when I interact and engage with people, I feel responsible for shifting the narrative on everything autism. Not necessarily throwing stuff in people's faces, but helping to shift the narrative. So for me, when I see a post that flags things like, oh, look, now they have eye contact. Oh, look, now they're following instructions. Oh, look, and I'm reading off of the post right now. Oh, look, they're participating in singing. Oh, look, they're not getting overwhelmed with others crying around them. Oh, look, no para needed on stage, right? So for me- Oh, look, they're acting normal. Yes. So for me, that immediately triggers me to say, oh my gosh, this is like giving the wrong perspective of autism, right? This is perpetuating the behavioral perspective or the need for autistic individuals to look like they're not autistic. And it also focuses on goals that are not important, right? Um, I don't think that participating in a Christmas celebration is a job skill. And I wasn't taking away from the child doing what he was doing. I didn't even make a comment about the child. I literally made a comment in reference to why is it so important for, for, for everyone to follow the masses, right? Why is it so important for everyone to fit in and look like everyone else? That was my point. Um, that's not how my point was taken. <laughs> it was taken and misconstrued for how others perceived it. And, um, you know, so my accountability is I made a comment with the assumption that people could understand the point that I was making in terms of recognizing the goal. The goal is not to make autistic children do what other autistic children are doing. Um, and that was not understood by many and 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 I I accept that right it's perfectly fine uh, and for me it's just the the perpetuation that we're still just going to keep making kids have eye contact and I just saw a video the day before where a mom is you know on Instagram and she's sharing strategies with other moms and she's literally holding her 3-year-old's face and making him look her straight in the eye to imitate words right and that is not what we want to do so Fast forward to whatever it is that people had to say and everyone has their own statement. And what was interesting was I am a very curious person. I love people and I'm always looking for good dialogue. So when people make really profound statements, I'm like, oh, let me learn about them, right? Who are they? Maybe they have some insight. Maybe I could have a good discussion with them. Well, most of the people were private and incognito, right? Some of the people were not, but they had some really shady stuff that was like, oh, on there. One person got raided by the yeah, FBI. FBI. 
Yeah. That, that was it, one of the people going the hardest to both of us in the comment yes. section. It's like, yes. ooh. And, yeah. and it was for illegal stuff. And we'll just say illegal stuff involving school children. Yes. I'll just leave it at that. This is a person who really like needed to take a step back and maybe sit through because they should not be talking or be allowed to watch posts about children. Anyway. Yes. So anyway, it, you know, of course, Torn saw it and, and <laughs> came in and backed me up. And I appreciate, uh, uh, because Torn has a way of wording things differently than I do. And so um, gives it a first. That's one way to put it. Yes. <laughs> so we are here to talk about, um, the, a lot of people refer to it. If you haven't heard of it, it's called inspiration porn, right? And um, and when I first heard the terminology, I was like, oh my gosh, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. And I say that because, and Torn, I know I, I'm sort of going on a tangent, but years and years and years ago, it used to irritate me when social media posts would have something like, the cheerleader asked the little boy with Down, I'm not the young man, with Down syndrome to the prom. Right. They, they still have those. They, they still have those. That's not of years course. and years ago. And then they would have, you know, other things where, you know, they let the kid who was autistic or cerebral palsy participate in, I don't know, some football event or, you know. They, they, they let him score a touchdown or shoot yes, a three-pointer yes, yes, in basketball. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So I used to get really irritated with these videos, right? I didn't know why, I didn't know why, but I was like, oh, like that's just yucky. And I think what I was, the irritation was the fact that it's so fake. Like if you were genuinely doing something to help someone and be kind or whatever it is that you, your motivation was, why would you videotape it? right? Like when I am genuinely doing a kind gesture for someone on the street, I don't pull out my cell phone to make sure that everyone sees the kind gesture. I do the kind gesture because I want to do the kind gesture and I'm not doing it to get likes on social media. So it irritates me when that would happen. And I had a conversation with one of our moms and, and she's an avid listener. And I remember when I made the statement about the, you know, prom invitation or, or whatever. And she said, Oh, but it's so sweet. And I said, no, it's not. It's disingenuous. And they're never going to talk to him again. Are they really his friend? Do they hang out with him? Do they invite him to go to things? No, they did it to put on social media to make themselves look good. So that irritates me, right? Because I don't like BS and I don't like when people use our children for their own promotion and they don't talk to the children or do anything any other time, right? So this parent has since seen the, the inspirational porn perspective and understands now, um, I think maybe because her children are older and so her experience is different now than it was before compared to mine. And so, you know, inspiration porn is, is and I love saying that, inspiration porn, I should get a t-shirt. Um, it is one of those things that, just perpetuates ableism it also just perpetuates that we all need to 
like do something and show people that we're like, that's not what kindness is. You don't do something of kindness and videotape it while you're doing it. I mean, what I, I, I don't get it. Unless you are trying to get your social media likes up, right? That's the only reason. Um, so it bothers me. It totally bothers me. And then it totally bothers me when misinformation is plastered on a platform that has a lot of followers. And so my instinct was, oh my gosh, now all of the people that follow this person who posted are going to think we need to get our autistic kids to participate in a classroom play and be on stage and have eye contact and follow directions. And no one's talking about supporting the needs of the child, right? So, so that's the part. And whether they supported his needs or not, that wasn't mentioned, right? So nobody knows if his needs were supported. It was only mentioned that now he can tolerate people crying in his space and sing so we can videotape. And the fact that they videotaped last year and videotaped this year, and, you know, and it wasn't on the, you know, I understand parents sharing in their joy. I didn't want to take away from the parents' joy. That was not my intent. Um, anyway, I'm going to stop and pause, Torrent. Well, the two things I want to say is first, could you tell the audience exactly what you commented that got everybody pissed off? Because your initial comment is what got everybody sort of in a tizzy. Yes. My initial comment was, why is conforming to the masses so important to people? Because that's a problem for me when, whether it's conforming from an autistic child's perspective, whether it's conforming from women and moms that I work with who feel like they have to have children and they really don't want to be moms, but they're conforming to the norms because that's what people say you have to do. Whether it's conforming where everybody has to do the same thing. If you don't do the same thing, then it's a problem, right? And I understand the world is filled with followers and people like everyone to feel included, but I don't think that inclusion is I don't think inclusion is the child doing the same thing all the other children are doing. Inclusion is a child being able to be themselves and participate in a way that works for them. And it was horrifying that the year before they had this child sitting on a stage and said that he was sensory overwhelmed. And like Torin said, the look of fear on his face was like, oh my gosh, why was that necessary, right? Why was that necessary? And it was necessary because it makes the adults in the room feel good. That's the only reason it's posted because it makes adults, or the reason that they make kids do things, it makes the adults feel- Well, that's also the only reason that's posted, like you said. Yes. And the part that upset me a little bit is in the before picture in quotes, so from last year, it said, it showed the kid sitting by himself, clearly overwhelmed. It didn't say he was sensory overwhelmed because I doubt these people knew what the hell that even is. They just said like overwhelmed, not participating. And at the very end, he does start to dance a little bit in his seat. And they're like, well, he does dance a little bit. So a win is a win. That did rub me the wrong way for obvious reasons because clearly he's overwhelmed and he's trying to participate to make people happy. And they're, they're casting it off as a win's a win. Yeah, it's a it's not what we want, but f you. F yeah. Like uh, uh, honest, honest to God, honest to God, 
if you're a parent and your kid's clearly in distress and shutting down and still trying to participate to make you happy and your response is a flippant, eh, it's better than nothing, go f*** yourself. That's the first thing I want to say. Before I get into my thoughts, which I already have a, a, a little bit, but on this overall thing, I want to make clear that as much as someone tries to see both sides, I am biased. As an autistic individual, as someone who did not have the best parenting growing up, I am biased. I'll admit that. I also don't have a lot of respect for, there's a certain type of person, and this is a very common type of person. And you see this a lot amongst autism moms, unfortunately, and autism parents, of the idea of autism makes them uncomfortable. These are people who generally, if something makes them uncomfortable, they just create their own bullshit reality to to not have to deal with what makes them uncomfortable and expect everyone else to go along with their reality that's false. And if you don't, they attack you. That's a certain type of person. And autism moms, which is a particular thing, it's not all mothers who have autistic kids, it's a certain type of person, mm-hmm. tend to fit this personality profile. And part of that reflects this inspiration point, the seeing, look, an autistic kid is participating like everybody else. That makes me feel good. So many comments that broke my heart about, this gives me hope for my kid. And I understand where that comes from, but it it breaks my heart because they're in the wrong mindset. Yeah. I understand where the mindset comes from. That's the wrong mindset. First of all, you should never compare your kid to other kids. And you definitely shouldn't compare your autistic kid to other autistic kids because they're so varied. So that, 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 that does break my heart. But I also just can't stand those sort of people who, when you point out that the kid's in distress and that this isn't, this might not be the win that everyone thinks it is, and that the person's basically just doing this for views because they're on Instagram, that's what Instagram is, everyone attacks you. And then everyone came after me when I went to defend you, so I don't care about it. But I don't have a lot of respect for those people. So I'm going to try to be objective, but just know... I- I, I, I don't like these people. I, as, as like on a personal level, if you're someone who can't be real with the information that we have all of access to, you can't be real about your kid's disability. It's one thing if you want to live in delusion personally, you want to live and you won't, don't want to have to deal with what's wrong in your personal life. I don't give a shit. That's fine. But when it comes to your kid, if you can't be a realist, I don't have respect for you. So I, I just want to make that clear straight up. With all that said, I do feel where a lot of these parents are coming from because you worry about your kid and you worry about feeling like they're left out. And remember, uh, we have a friend of the podcast, uh, Shuba uh, Bala, I believe is how you say their last name. I hope I didn't butcher that. Shuba, I know I got right. I got their first name right. Uh, I believe Bala is their last name. Uh, they've been on They've been on the podcast before. They posted something recently where they said, if you believe inclusion doesn't work, it wasn't real inclusion, mm-hmm. which is true. Unfortunately, most inclusion is bullshit inclusion. So yes. when people think of inclusion, they think of that. They think of they think of oh, the parents got him to partic- this autistic kid to participate like everybody else. That's a victory, as opposed to finding a way to meet his sensory needs. He needs to sit somewhat separately. If he needs earplugs, if he needs to do his own thing, that's what inclusion is. Maybe not doing it at all because it's just too much. That's inclusion but we don't get that in the education system. And it's hard for me to blame parents for wanting to just them to be like everybody else because that's what they're being told. They don't have a point of reference. They 
most people need some sort of point of reference of how things could be different to believe that things could be different. You don't realize how bad something is until you see the example of, for me personally, just real quick, I didn't realize how bad my upbringing was because I had no friends until high school, like literally no friends. Until I started making friends in high school, I realized, oh, wait, wait. I, I, I talked to my friends, be like, wait, your parents don't call you all sorts of awful things every day? Like all this abusive stuff I was going through that I thought was normal. Turns out it's not normal. But I didn't know that because I didn't have a point of reference. Yeah. They don't have a point of reference for what good education should look like. Mm -hmm. What good autism parenting should look like. They're getting the information from Instagram. And all of it's almost all of it's bad. So I get why they feel like this is inspiration. And in the way it is, especially if the kid made the choice, he, if he wanted to be part of the play and he worked to become part of it because that's something he wanted mm -hmm. and he needed to overcome some of his sensory issues because he wanted to participate, he wanted to be like that. We don't know any of this. But at the same time, we've already discussed, it's not quite what it seems. It might not be the inspiration that everyone thinks it is. But I do feel for these parents and I get where some of them are coming from they felt like you came in and you were sort of belittling his accomplishments. Let me rephrase that. Belittling the parents' accomplishment, belittling the parents' confidence. They were very explicit. They, they, they didn't mean the kids. They didn't say the kids' accomplishment. They didn't give a shit about the kid. They were always saying, you're belittling the work of the parents, the work of the teachers, the work of the parents. It's, 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 it's as if the kid was a thing mm -hmm. that was just acted upon, which I guess you could argue that's education in general. But very few of them said you're belittling the work the kid did, which I could see that argument. I disagree with it, but I could see the argument. Most of them didn't make that. It's the work everyone else did. Because, mm -hmm. of course, the kid can't have agency. He's yeah. autistic. It's autistic kids don't have agency, right, Stacey? And I, I think that, you know, for me, uh, I, I don't consider myself to be a nerd. I consider myself to be a, uh, what do I call myself? Like, I'm constantly thinking from this uh, intellectual standpoint and I will tell a side funny story when I was in middle school and people would say I'm going to beat you up after school and I was like I don't understand why they're going to beat me up and so I would say so can you tell me why you're going to beat me up because I just need to understand why we're fighting because we didn't have any conflict so that's my my intellectual brain needs to know why so why are we fighting right I don't go to okay I'm going to meet you in the back uh, of the school and then they would not beat me up because they were like, she's so weird. Because I'm like, I need to understand, like, is there a book to explain to me why we're fighting? I don't know why we're fighting. So for me, I'm always, and I'm just, you know, more than likely, I'm just really triggered when misinformation, because there's so much misinformation provided by parents and teachers and therapists, but a lot by parents, right? And not intentionally. Parents are trying to help. I get that. But when you, I just read a post and I'm going to go back to when you, I read a post a couple of days ago and it was an autistic person saying, please stop trying to desensitize us. You need to understand that even though you feel like we've been desensitized, there is neurological trauma and it triggers us later in life. And so I remember those things and I think about those things and I always say Whenever I see posts that, oh, you know, my child can tolerate, we're going to desensitize them. I'm like, 
why you're torturing them and then people will say to me but when they be, go into the real world whatever that is when they go you know become adults so the, the mythical think, real world the mythical real world and my point is always when they become adults they will have autonomy and when they want to participate in those things they will i mean one of the things i love is when parents are allowed to you know, it depends on the child's hair type, when they just let their kids grow their hair long because it's so painful neurologically and sensory-wise to get a haircut. It's like, it's not worth my child having that trauma. And maybe at 12, they may have a sensory system that they're ready to go in with strategies and do that, right? So the, my, my, the more I have learned, the more I've talked to people, the more I understand the foundation of the sensory system and sensory processing for autistic individuals is such the trauma-like place, right? Because when you listen to stories, people are like, oh, you know, I was bombarded by this in the classroom. I was bombarded by this noise. I was bombarded by this. And going to the grocery store, children are in distress. People are in distress. I don't see the point of making any child be in any distress or having to desensitize something that is not important and a life skill. And some things are not important and making children fit in. And, and we're not talking about this scenario. I'm talking about in general, making children fit in so that we all feel good about ourselves is not healthy for the kids, you know? And then there's other, you know, I see a bombardment of things. You know, I see this information from another group where a mom is saying that the child is getting into the oil and the flour and she doesn't have a lot of money and someone donated that to her. And I'm thinking, okay, so his sensory needs were not being met. So he went to the oil and the flour and you would not believe the amount of parents who said, spank him, beat him, make him not let him understand. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? They are like literally needing support. And we don't do that to any other disability. We don't take glasses away from someone who's visually impaired. We don't take hearing aids away from someone who cannot, um, who needs the support of a hearing aid and say, you're going to have to learn to tolerate and hear, just sit closer to the, the person who's talking. We don't do that. But we do that to autistic children. We take away their supports or we put them in situations that are overwhelming and traumatizing because we're preparing them for the real world and they're only six they're only eight they're only 10 like it i doesn't make sense to me hey y'all one thing that i wish i mentioned in the initial recording is when stacy says there's a difference in how we treat autistic kids versus someone the example she gave is vision impaired a major difference is the fact that autistic children, when our needs are not being met, we will often seek it out. The example she gave was getting into the oil and the flour, which was an issue. As opposed to a kid who's blind, they'll just sit there and be blind. They're not going to raid an eyeglass store looking for glasses. For example, I was diagnosed as being hearing impaired from the time I was four years old. It's just my parents, my mom in particular, just didn't want to hear it. She didn't care. So I just dealt with not being able to hear and all the developmental implications that bought until my mid-20s when I was an adult and I could go out and get my own hearing aid. And that affected how I learned words, how I speak. There's a reason my voice sounds the way it does. I sound like someone who's hearing impaired because I am, because nothing was done. 
but I wasn't going to go raid a, a, a hearing place to get a hearing aid. Autistic kids will do that. That's why people say, go beat them, go spank them, because we want them. We, we're not going to meet their needs. We don't care about that. We just want them to stop sensory seeking, stop seeking out and just sit there and be miserable and sit there and be disabled because that makes them easier for us as adults to deal with. So that's just something I wanted to add. But wait, if we look at it, if we look at what is posted on social media, there's a ton of videos on Instagram reels, should I say, that show um, kids on stage and some kid dancing goofy or some little girl feeling it and just dancing, right? Those kids don't have a disability. Everybody loves how they stand out and look different. But when an autistic kid is on stage stimming, everybody's like, oh, no, we need to make him put his hands down. Because the stimming looks weird. The kids, they're dancing on their own. They're usually kids with rhythm, kids with good dancing. No, these are not kids. These are kids looking like they like, what the hell is... It's it's funny. I mean, it's really funny because you're like, okay, he clearly is in a world of his own. And they do things like, oh, dancing to the beat of his own drum. But a child who's autistic, who is rocking when it's time to rock on stage, because they're not it dancing looks to different. Their drum. Because yes. it looks it 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 violate it so stimming is seen as inherently weird. It's inherent it's seen as weird because it's it it's a very uh, spastic, they tend to be very spastic movements, very spastic, very jerky, very unnatural movements. Yeah. At least they're not very flowy. So they they don't have a lot of rhythm to them. So as with rare exceptions. So because of it, because they look weird and it looks really weird and really unnatural because we're used to flowy movements, not spastic movements, they want to stop it. And because they're autistic, it's like, oh no, he needs to be made to, to conform in his own way, he needs to conform as an individual. That's if that's not Orwellian, I don't know what is, but yeah, yeah. And and I understand it looks different, but this is 2023. I mean, what's her name went to an award show with a meat dress? Like seriously, <laughs> it was, I think that was Lady Gaga, right? We should be accustomed to different. I mean, it is 2023. Seriously, we are not back in the day where we never saw disabled people in the world. And I think that's probably why for me, it just gets really frustrating because I'm like, this is not like, we are you living under a rock people? Have you never left your house? Okay, I digress and I'm going to go to an example that I would like to share that I think is um, what I would call, or should I say what you refer to as realistic inclusion, right? Because I am a firm believer of this. If you, if disabled people, right, in general, right, the fight for inclusion, right, the fight for the right to be included, well, that means you get to be included in everything. You can be made a joke of, like the rest of us are. You can get yelled at by the referee like everyone else, or you can get whatever, whatever happens in life. I'm not saying for people to be intentionally mean. I'm saying that means that you may have to be in situations that make you uncomfortable, right? Um, or seem like um, it's inappropriate when someone's referring to you because that's what inclusion is in society, right? People get knocked over, pushed, and yeah, I hate to see someone like knock over or get in front of someone rudely of someone who has a wheelchair, but you know what? They would have knocked in front of somebody who didn't have a wheelchair either. So that's full inclusion, right? That's it. 
we're all you know susceptible to be um, acted rude, acted towards rudely. Okay, so my example, and you can edit that if you need to, Tara. I think it was a, a random. I don't even know what that was. Okay. Well, so. what, what, what I'll say is before you get into it, I'm sorry, is that's probably what a lot of the commenters are arguing that he's going to need to learn how to be in such how to be in situations where he's completely uncomfortable and people are forcing him in the situations where he's completely uncomfortable. That's something I just I just disagree with. What you're teaching him is to not have autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I understand that our children all have to grow and learn how to do things and be uncomfortable and do things that maybe they're like, oh my gosh, um, this makes me uncomfortable. But we 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 teach them those skills and expose them to those things after we've supported them so that they can. We don't throw them in at five and seven and traumatize them so that they can be ready for when they're 21, right? That's not the solution. And I actually, honestly, and maybe we can do a podcast with a guest on because I'm starting to recognize the concept or I'm starting to recognize that because I was like I don't understand why parents are so okay with their kids getting sprayed in the water bottle with water or being tortured and uncomfortable or not having support or being spanked who's spraying their kids with water bottles ABA therapist like a like a training thing yeah and parents like like like, like they do with dogs Yes, exactly. Well, cats you usually spray cats, not dogs, but yeah. You can you spray dogs. It's dogs, considered, you, it's considered dogs you hit with a newspaper. Spray dogs, but you can't do that. Hit dogs with a newspaper, or yeah, that's that, that. And when you do that to a dog, it's considered a dick move. Yes, yes. So they're doing that to children. Yes, and parents are signing off and saying that's okay because they want their children to sit for fifteen minutes. Once okay. again, if you're a parent who fits into this and you know that's what's happening. It's one thing if you don't know that that's happening, yeah. but if you know that is happening and you're still okay with it, go f- yourself. Yeah, that's not. I just want to make that clear. I was going to edit what I said out earlier. I'm not going to edit that out because now I'm saying this too. I want that to be clear. If you know yep. that's happening to your kid and you don't pull them out immediately, f- you. Yep. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. So I'm recognizing that the parents are okay with their child being in situations of trauma because the parents had to endure situations of trauma and no one rescued them from it. So it's the same as women being abused and saying to the daughters, this is just what happens to women, right? Happened to you, you're okay with this, are you gonna allow your kid? Now, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying I'm starting to understand a different perspective. Now, I'm gonna go to my story about inclusion. There's a show called Born This Way. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a show of adults, a reality show of, I don't know, seven or eight um, uh, adults with Down syndrome. And they are in this community center and going through life in their young adulthood and, and making efforts to follow their dreams, right? So there's this one guy who, um, I mean, he, he's full of confidence. I mean, he thinks he's the hottest thing ever and he wants to date a supermodel and that's who he wants to date, right? So he's having a conversation like most young men do with their dads and, or men just in general, right? And he says, you know, cause they went, they had a, they had an event and it was an event where all of the adults were from the community center and they were all disabled, various disabilities. So a girl, young, well, not girl, a young woman, Um, who also um, had Down syndrome, walked up to him and said, would you like to dance? And he proudly, confidently said to her, 
oh, I don't date people with a disability. And the girl was really hurt and she walked away. And of course, we're all looking at him like, huh? Okay, we all can choose who we want to date. So he's sharing what happened at the dance and that's how it came up. And he said, yeah, you know, because I want to date, you know, I'm going to date a supermodel. And his dad said, you're not going to be able to date a supermodel. And his mom said, oh my gosh, don't say that, you know, don't tell him that he can't. And his dad said, this has nothing to do with him having Down syndrome. The percentage of men who get to date supermodels is very low. And you really, the foundation is you need to have a lot of money. You need to have a lot of money. So you won't be able to date a supermodel son. And I say that that's inclusion because that was a conversation that men have with other men. And they make a joke about your, she's out of your league or whatever it is that men say. It wasn't about he wouldn't get a supermodel because he had Down syndrome. It was about supermodels date rich men, right? Like that's what they date. Um, and I'm over, you know, this is his words, but I, the, 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 exactly. He was being real. He was being yes. realistic. There's yes. I'm all, I'm all for letting kids have self-confidence, but there's also like a point where you have to be realistic. Like yes. if I was like, if I was 16 saying, I want to play shortstop for the New York Mets, like my dad would have been like, you can barely tie your shoes. I, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen. My dude. <laughs> You can't catch a ball thrown five feet in front of you. That's that that ain't happening. Yes, yes, it's yes. like people thought you had terrible palsy. It, it, it might that might be a little steep of a goal. Yes. So I, I I do I do agree with that, and th and that is real inclusion. It's being realistic because mm -hmm. it actually you're harming the kid if you just tell him straight up like because if a normal dude said I'm going to date a supermodel, and so normal everyday dude who isn't rich. And who's average in the looks department and has no riz, you would turn to your friend and go, "Yeah, my dude, that's not happening. That, exactly. that, that's steep. That that that's steep. I respect your ambition. That's steep. So what, the only reason you wouldn't tell that kid with Down syndrome that is that you don't want to hurt his feelings because you think he can't handle it because he's special." With quotations. Well, I get that, but at the same time, for me, my perspective was it was a dad having a conversation with his son and not looking at his son's disability. He was just having a conversation man to man. No, I agree. I'm That's agreeing inclusion. with you. I'm agreeing yeah. with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and I love that show. I mean, I love that show. There was another situation where um, one of the girls, her mother, the girl was born down syndrome and the dad left, like literally said, I'm not raising a kid with down syndrome if you keep it. So the mom raised the daughter by herself. Yeah. This is what men do. So she raised her daughter beautifully. I mean, just, uh, I mean, she did an amazing job and it had nothing to do with whether her daughter had Down syndrome and she did an amazing job with her Down syndrome daughter. She did an amazing job with her daughter, right? So the daughter um, had started a little business and the mom was supporting her on that. And then they were moving out, right? And that was part of the whole series of they're moving out into an apartment with their friend and, you know, all these things. And so- the daughter said um, she wanted to have a baby. And the mom was like, what? And the daughter said, yeah, you know, I want to have a baby. And the mom had to sit down with her and she had to say, you can't have a baby. You can't have a baby. 
how are you going to take care of a baby? And she said, and to be honest with you, mommy loves you very much. And I have been here for you and I'm getting you and you know, you're moving into your apartment and you're you're on your own and whatever. I don't want to have to come and raise another baby and you can't do it by yourself. Right. And it was the reality that, you know, her daughter could do lots of things, but she couldn't budget a checkbook. She couldn't necessarily make sure her bills were paid on time without prompting, right? And things to be done. So if she did have a baby, she would have to have a partner that was very strong and could help her because the mom was like clear about, I'm not going to be here and do that journey with you, right? Now, some people took it really harshly that the mom said that. And I looked at it as the, the girl can make her own decision. She's a grown woman. She can have a baby without her mother's permission. Her mother was making it very clear. I'm not going to support and be a part of caretaking. I'm done, right? I'm done raising babies, children in general. Um, And the mother knows her daughter. And I don't think that is anything different than a mother who knows a daughter who doesn't have a disability. And you know that they either have something that will prevent them from being successful. Um, It's not to say that people can't do everything, but taking children is it's a responsibility it, i would argue though there are tons of non-down syndrome people who can't balance checkbook can't remember to pay their bills who have kids all the time I agree. I agree. <laughs> all, all, all the time i agree i agree i agree and it's hard and other people have to step in i mean i have a friend who literally takes care of his niece's three kids she is incompetent and continues to breed And he pays for and takes care of all of her children because she can't. Now, I would not be doing that, but that's what he does, right? Because he feels sorry for the children. And because he's been taking care of them, she had three. Yeah, that's that that's sad, but that's definitely a topic for another day. But I agree with I agree with you though. It's part of inclusion. That might be what I name this episode. That if you think inclusion doesn't work, you haven't had real inclusion. Um, that's part of inclusion is to be honest with kids. And being honest doesn't mean like telling them they can't do anything in life. Being honest means being honest with them the same way you'd be honest with a normal person. Your example, if you had a normal person that couldn't do all those things, and there are plenty of quote unquote normal people who can't do all those things. I know several of them. I'm one of them. Well, I'm not normal because I'm on the spectrum, but you get what I mean you would have the same conversation with them. My dad and- had a conversation with me and said to me, Stacy, I love you. And there are many things that you do well. Skating and dancing is not one of them. I'm pulling you out of those classes. <laughs> it, was, it was clear. I do not have the motor coordination to be successful at those things. And I was not going to be a ballerina. I wanted to be a ballerina. I was not going to be a ballerina, right? That was not going to be my talent. And my dad was very honest with me. And I'm glad that he was because I would never have been a ballerina. I have horrible motor skill coordination from the fine motor to the big gross mode, right? I mean, I'm not that uh, drunk girl on the dance floor knocking over drums dancer, but you know, you can spot me on the dance floor looking a little awkward there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, And I'm proudly awkward at the same time. 
that's something I'm still needing to work on. Like, I don't dance or do or really like to be sort of in the center of all that stuff because I look just like I look like a lamb whale. But um, uh, as we bring this in, I do have one last concern. And it's the same concern that seems to be coming up over and over and over and you tend to give the same answer. But I feel like I have to keep asking this and bringing this up because it keeps being relevant. A big issue people have with true inclusion is it doesn't look like, it doesn't look close enough to conformity. And the reason many parents want conformity and the reason they worry about the real world, and we'll cover this more in our eventual real world episode, is because people put pressure on them. Their parents, teachers, therapists put pressure on these parents to make sure their kid is set up for the real world, to make sure they conform. And a lot of these parents, quite frankly, don't have the cojones stand up to this pressure. Yes. And it's something I need to bring up because I'm still not sure what to do about it because I think the only answer at a certain point is you need to metaphorically sack up. And if you're a dude, actually sack up and do what, be realistic about what your kids' needs are. Find out what they are. Be realistic about them. And you're going to have to go against the grain and people are going to look at you. People are going to put pressure on you. People are going to threaten to call child services on you. People are, might call child services on you. Like all those are actual possibilities. You can't jeopardize your kid's mental health because you're afraid to push back from other people who are not your kid because you're a parent. Your job is to protect them. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, you need to look in the mirror. You need to look in the mirror and think, I'm literally making things worse for my child, validating it to myself on Instagram by seeing these inspiration porn posts and then attacking people who are pointing it out that it's just inspiration porn, it's not real, because I'm afraid to stand up to people. You need to take a look in the mirror. Now, I know a lot of these people aren't going to do that because they mentally they just have complete collapses. They wouldn't be able to handle that. But you're going to have to do that if you're one of those people. I'm sorry. There's no other way to put it. So I was in a, a conversation with um, a few uh, it was educators and therapists uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was talking about my whole thing about, well, you know, I mean, so they stim while they're in the classroom. So, you know, I mean, my kids do all kinds of stuff in my homeschool sessions. Whatever, we're still going through the lessons, right? Whatever you're doing, flapping, whatever your piece of paper you're stimming with. So my pushback to them was, why don't we just allow them to do that? Like I had a space in my room for pacing. I had, of course, my kids could stand up anytime they wanted to, and they had full freedom of moving their bodies. So my point was, why don't we? And all of the pushback I got was, well, because the expectation by administration, and I said, and people are going, I said, listen, this is my problem with that statement. I understand that all the people over here are going to say this, but guess what? If the rest of us would get together and say, hey, we're not going to make our kids stop stimming. If all of us would say something together in a united way, instead of just letting one person say it, and the rest of you are so afraid to, we have more people who really want it to be better. And if we would all get together and say it, then everyone would follow. Like, if you, you know, there, and I'm going to end with this, you know, cause I get messages and I recently got an email from someone who said, you know, 
I know you don't know this and I wanted to let you know because I don't really talk to you a lot, um, but I've been watching what you've been doing and I've been seeing what you've been, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I've been listening to what you've been saying and I have started doing different things with my clients, right? Because I can see that what you're doing works. That is what I'm talking about. If I do it, someone sees it. If they do it, someone sees it. If everyone starts to just accept it, then it becomes the norm and stimming is not weird. It could be weird, but people would get more accustomed to it. Just like we are accustomed to wheelchairs now being in our environment. I remember when wheelchairs were not anywhere. I remember those days when you did not see children in wheelchairs at school events, you didn't see people in wheelchairs at events, but we made things wheelchair accessible. We put elevators in schools and now it's part of the norm for lack of a better term. So that is my point that is if we all start to accept it, embrace it, and we start tolerating, right? We keep talking about our kids tolerating sensory overload. Why can't we tolerate someone flapping their hands? Why can't we give the same respect and do our own tolerating, right? Because I'm not saying it's not distracting. I am not saying it is not distracting. And there are other things that are distracting to me that have nothing to do with disability. Like if somebody has a very thin, and this is so superficial, but if somebody, I, my, my eyes focus on facial features. So when somebody has like a very narrow, narrow nose, like a very narrow nose, I can't see anything but a narrow nose. That's all I see. I can't look, I try very hard. I don't wanna see the narrow nose. I don't wanna see it. It is visually distracting. And I understand that. I understand that if someone has a skin condition that has marks on their face, it is visually distracting. I don't disagree with that, but I don't understand why we can't work towards making it less visually distracting or find our own ways to work around it, just like we do with wheelchairs, sign language on stage, sign languages are now on rap concerts. You know, before it was like, oh Lord, sign language, deaf people, oh Lord. Now it's everywhere, right? So if we all start trying to look outside of our discomfort for something that's different or weird, then we don't have to make inspirational porn. Our lives would be, our lives and communities would be more inclusive in a more naturalistically way, a naturalistic way, because it would be something that we have just accepted. And I guess that's my spiel for. No, I, I, I agree. And I'll finish up just by saying, I'm not sure how deep I want to get into this because we're up against time, but everything you mentioned is stuff people who don't have disabilities do. There are people who do crazy things to their hands, people with speech impediments, people who talk slowly, people who don't make eye contact. It's because conforming makes people feel comfortable. That's why. When everyone is, that's why we have uh religious organizations. That's why we have schools with uniforms. It makes people feel comfortable when everyone is doing the same thing. Even though we know the people who push the buttons, push the limits, go outside the limits are the people who create the most amazing things, the most amazing things. So that is why I'm always a proponent of let kids be their outside the box self and 
oh my gosh, it's amazing what they're going to do, right? That the rest of us who are conforming, although I'm not a conformist, um, I mean, clearly I'm an anti-conformist. I mean, clearly I'm so against conforming, I guess, to some extent, but I believe that people, human beings should be able to be who they are. I think that children should be able to be in an included situation with supports at their own pace, right? And it shouldn't be a goal because it was clearly a goal. I mean, you know, just who cares if kids don't participate in the school play? I mean, like seriously, who cares? It is not a job skill. I'm not saying children should not participate. I'm saying there are so many more important things to work on. And the reality is if your child has no way to communicate, if your child does not have sensory regulation, it doesn't matter what they can do. They can't be included into anything because they can't communicate and they can't regulate. So if you don't work on those two things, inclusion's never gonna be a part of their life because that is key. And I don't care how they communicate, as long as they're able to communicate, if they don't understand their sensory needs, if you don't support it, they can communicate and they still can't go and communicate in an environment because they're not regulated. I mean, I could go on and on and on. No, no, I, I think that's a perfect place to end. It. The last thing I'll say is you did, I do have to push back on one thing and I'm sorry. I love it when you, you push back. You said that performance that like, because the, the initial post that we started talking about was of a, a Christmas performance. It's not a life skill. I would disagree. What if your kid grows up and wants to be a stripper? Learn stripping you skills. That, did you? You, you? You wouldn't think of that. Say, what, what if they want to dance on a pole? You know what? They can learn how to do it. People usually don't learn pole dancing until they're ready to be strippers. So, at like at like sixteen years old. Okay, and Stacy, that's why we're working. And I'm too. not against strippers at all. Oh, me either. I've yes. I've helped put a couple through college. I think that stripping is, if it is something that someone chooses to do and that they are not forced to do it, I think that there's nothing wrong with it. And I, I say that literally from a personal perspective because I worked in a community in New Orleans where a lot of my single moms had to take care of their children because the dads were not contributing and they were strippers. And I will tell you, their children were clothed, they were fed, they were at school every day, parents participated in every event and it was a legal job. So I am all for whatever people need to do that they choose to do to make a living, especially when women are often left with children and having to support them financially on their own. So well, when you said, when you said, um, I have personal experience, I thought you were going a whole different direction with that. I just told you I can't dance and do ballet. You that think I can be true. on a pole that, that, without that falling and knocking need, somebody's you eye out? You a significant out. amount of rhythm. It's harder, it's harder than people think. Oh my gosh, it's hard work. And Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism. And please, please find ways for people who need their narrative shifting to sit and listen to at least one episode. And and support your kids' needs, especially if they want to dance on a pole. See ya!